ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network or the DAP network, if you will. And I try to. Uh, Rocky's not with us again this week. Rocky's a busy man. We've got some real life stuff going on. Uh, we're doing our best Those to scrape by. Those fans, they just... They... I, hey, I wasn't going to get into it, but you can already hear the voice. You already saw the description. This is the one and only Bo McBrayer with us from Fantasy Pros. How you doing tonight, Bo? Outstanding. It's uh, six thirty now on the Pacific Coast. Well, not on the coast, but in the valley, and it's still hundred degrees. <laughs> so we're doing great in the air hey. conditioning. Uh, all right. Is that is is hundred degrees good or bad? It feels bad. I'm just gonna see. It feels like well, it's really cool. yesterday this time it was one hundred and eight with an, a heat index of one eleven. So it is cooler today, yet still over hundred degrees, where which makes it quite warm and unpleasant to be outside for more than a few minutes. Yeah. And I know I've, uh, I've seen some posts and have some friends in Texas and Arizona and all Ooh, that. And they're, they're posting no about their, you know, 30 days straight of a hundred day highs. And I'm sitting here in Ohio going, Oh man, 93 was warm. You know, Ooh, man, yeah. like it's, uh, it's all, it's all contextual, but no, we're glad to have you with us tonight. Obviously we're still in the preseason. We were just talking about a little bit before the show started. Preseason games have, have kicked off. We've already had week one finished uh, tonight, while we're recording this, is the start of week two, uh, which is the Browns and Eagles. And it feels like, from what I've seen, very little that I've seen, it's kind of a snooze fest, but it's still better than nothing. So, I mean, I know it's it, – do you agree, I guess? Is it better than nothing? Maybe that's the starting point. Slightly. It is slightly better than nothing because what you can grab from it are players who make one or two big plays in the course of a preseason game that confirm all your priors – or makes you yeah. change your mind about a person. Like I thought that maybe there was an outside chance that Trey Sermon might make the team for special teams. And then he goes out and coughs the ball up in the first half here of this game. <laughs> yeah. So Trey Sermon, RIP, nice knowing <sighs> you kid, but it doesn't look like with that backfield that he's going to have a word in edgewise. Well, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, but I was, I was actually yeah. holding on to some shares of Sermon just in case. Right. But I was looking at the, the depth chart. I think it was uh, Monday or Tuesday this week. I was looking at the depth chart, and I realized, oh, there's like four running backs ahead of him. So the odds are slim anyway. Um, so, yeah, at least he made a roster in the preseason and got to carry some the ball some more before, uh, you know, finally retiring and maybe mm-hmm. being the manager of a target somewhere. I mean, good for him. I'm happy for you, Trey. That's, that's nice. He had a good career in college. Yeah, anyway, uh, bad, let's yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Could, could be all right, but I know you were telling me, too, that you've got a connection to one of the Browns players. I kind of want to hear this story. Yeah, so um, I went to the Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas in February, so obviously right before the Combine, 
uh, it was it was really cool because a lot of the guys that we're talking about now in dynasty circles as kind of rookie draft seasons kind of tapering off finally but as we get closer to redraft like furious redrafting in a couple weeks uh still some dynasty rookie drafts going on and startups i'm in a few startups right now that are going and what we're looking at are deep round rookies that can provide value and i think the cleveland browns have a couple noteworthy rookies uh first of which i met in las vegas in his hometown as the he was the crown jewel attraction for the Shrine Bowl this year. Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. Uh, I went up and I was staying with my brother-in-law who lives just down the road from Allegiant Stadium. And he's a huge UCLA fan. And his favorite Bruin ever is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Well, and of course, I had, a pre- I had a press credential. I'm going right down on the field to talk to all these players in the Shrine Bowl field uh, right there on Allegiant Stadium's playing field and so it's like a two three hour event where i'm going to be able to have conversations and i asked him if he wanted to come with me he said no i got a lot of stuff to do blah 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 well one of the first people people i ran into is dorian thompson robinson who's going to Ah. interview after interview after interview because that's it's his hometown everybody's talking about him. he's on the damn billboard right outside the stadium along i-15 and i walk up to him as i hey dorian i'm bo from fantasy pros and uh you mind, you mind answering a few questions? Not more about football, but more like what what you like to do on the side. Like, ask him what his favorite movies are, what his favorite thing, what his favorite dish is from back home or right here is what I joked about with him. <laughs> right. I was like, what what is your mom Melba? Melba follows me on Twitter now. She so it's like it was the conversation got so good and we connected just as person to person more than player than media. And Dorian is an outstanding human being. Good to and hear. He, he played for four and a half seasons as the starter for UCLA, three of which were under Chip Kelly, who yeah. cannot say more good things about Dorian Thompson Robinson. DTR is re- the real deal. And another guy that's a big fan of him is Aaron Rodgers. We saw that yeah. on episode one of Hard Knocks. Yep. He walks right up to DTR, fellow West Coast quarterbacks. He encourages them, use those legs. Dorian Thompson Robinson is severely underrated. I just got him in the 24th round of a startup in super flex form. So I'm just taking shots on him on those deeper rosters. Yep. <laughs> guys that I've talked to and I've actually become pretty good friends with just from one really long conversation where he put out various other members of the media just to keep talking to me. That goes a long way where he commands a presence, even though he's not the biggest guy you've seen his leadership already through two preseason games. He's got that it factor as a quarterback and that's really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honestly, like DTR is one of my favorites. I've actually been a fan of his as well. And, and Superflex, I love grabbing him where I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have him in a, uh, in a Debbie league. I, I had him as a college player because nice. I just had a feeling. I'm like, I don't know what this, this kid's just got a starting name. You know what I mean? Like Don, just Dorian Thompson Robinson, like DTR, he's DTF. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's mm-hmm. go. So I, I was a big fan yeah. of him. And then I got him in a contract league that I'm running too, or that I'm in too, that I mean, it, I don't, I just got him this off season. So I don't have to give him a contract yet. But I'm tempted to like give him a little bit of a like three year maybe like let's kind of hold on yeah. to him for a little while because I it's, think he might it's be like uh, when you're at the poker table and you just knock on the table let's check yeah. let's let's just let the, some time elapse here and see what we have yeah uh, let's let's He's assess doing well. this this is intriguing enough for me to hang around and find out what happens here because yep. I think he could be more of that like that Tyler Huntley type character where yep. if your starter goes down and he's thrust into action you're not actually worried. Because yeah. he's enough of a clone of Deshaun Watson play style wise, 
where if he's is he's pressed into starting action, you're not going to say, oh, wow, we are really screwed. You're going to say, oh, wow, we get to see the kid play now. It's not going to be like, oh, crap, we're screwed. Like when Cooper Rush was starting for the Cowboys, Oof. you're like, uh-oh, yeah, we're, we're not expecting to win any of these games. Cleveland right. might actually expect to win a couple games if DTR happened to be their starter for a while. Yep. Yep. No, I completely agree. He has, the, I mean, not in terms of NFL sake, but in terms of like, um, I guess, fantasy bench value. Oh, he yeah. reminds me a lot of like Jacoby Brissett or Teddy Bridgewater, exactly. some of those guys that you're just like, I don't want to start him. I don't, I'm not looking for that in a trade. But then during the season, you start him two or three times and you don't hate it. You know what I mean? You're just like, well, got me through, a, got me through a bind there. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. I went through a couple seasons in Superflex where, your 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 QB two goes down, and yeah. you're ha- you're having to decide whether you're going to start a third or fourth quarterback on your roster, or just a another wide receiver that you can't wedge into a regular right. flex spot. Yep. And he's the kind of guy w- I wouldn't feel too bad about as my emergency QB two in a super flex, just because of his rushing upside and his ability to. He doesn't have a fear of throwing into tight windows, which in obviously in real football is risky, especially going from the pack 12 where defense is optional to the NFL, but in fantasy, typically interceptions or turnover worthy plays aren't really weighted that heavily because if he does convert those plays into big plays and touchdowns, everybody's going to be like, Oh wow. Imagine if Mahomes did that. Right. It's like, it's, it's that risque like bravado to his game that I really like because yeah, he's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to make some really exciting things happen. Yeah, I completely agree. And so, again, we're right on topic for tonight's show, which we're going to get into in a little bit with QB busts and sleepers. I would consider DTR a deep sleeper. Um, yep. We're really not going to get that deep on this show. A lot of what we try to do is in that you know, top 20 rounds kind of play with what DLF does on their ADP. Um, but, again, I, I think that's a perfect way to start this off on a QB show and saying, you know, deeper leagues, almost all dynasty leagues are deep enough. You should try to get him. If he's on waivers, definitely add him in Superflex. Um, heck, I might even say add him in some one QB leagues. If you're looking real lean or you have players that you just don't like at QB, I'd much rather have him than some of these other guys just as an upside flyer shot for your taxi squad or something. So, again, starting yeah. out hot, some of these names. I'm a fan. But before we get further into the QBs, I do want to get into some of the news since we last had our show last week before the expo. Uh, we had some fun events happening, of course, over the weekend. Some signings occurred. I would say finally, but I'm not even sure if they matter. But we're going with the first one, Zeke to the Patriots. Um, I, I actually wrote an article, Fantasy Pros. I mentioned something about this. I'm sure you've talked about it plenty, too, where it's like, I'm not really high on Zeke because of this, but this does kind of, I don't know, make me worried for Ramondre. The team is willing to do this. Like, the team is willing to go out and sign Zeke to a pretty good contract, in my opinion. Are you worried about Ramondre, or is that just kind of, you're not really concerned? I don't know that it affects Ramondre's baseline, like his heartbeat as a fantasy value. Uh, I think it makes me worry about his current ADP situation because it's not Mm. slipping far enough for my liking. Mm. Uh, So I do think Zeke affects his ceiling because I was already a little skeptical that a Bill O'Brien offense would be as inept and (laughs) non-planning as the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia era last year where they didn't have any ideas. They had no plan. And so when Mac Jones all else failed, he would check down a bazillion times to Ramondre Stevenson, who, by the way, was really their only valuable pass catcher out of the backfield because of all the injuries to his counterparts. So that perfect storm of uh, complete morons running an offense 
<laughs> a quarterback who's already reluctant to press the ball down the field and then injuries to the running back position. I don't know that Ramondre gets a better shake at a PPR upside than that. And he certainly doesn't look like that's going to be the case this season unless another miracle happens where it just kind of falls that way. But Zeke being there kind of takes away that sledgehammer role being given to Ramondre because Ramondre is a bigger back. His receiving skills just independent of him being one of the only big loads of a ball carrier that are just also good at catching passes and running routes. Zeke can also do the same thing. They're very similar players archetype-wise at the end of the day. And Zeke, of course, less explosive at this stage of his career. But, I mean, you look at him side-by-side at peak performance, and it's really it's a very similar outfit, what we're looking at here. Uh, Zeke could steal a lot of rushing touchdowns, especially when Mm -hmm. Mac Jones isn't a threat to do that. They don't really have any other running backs that can hammer the ball in there. So Ramondre... I think he's going to be okay as an RB two slash three kind of fringe player, but it, he, he's still hanging around the end of the second or early third rounds. I'm going to let him go by. Same. That's too rich for me. hundred percent agree. I think you, you put it really well. It's a ceiling that gets hurt here. And that's what makes mm-hmm. me kind of worried in a sense too, because the team at least is wanting to, to sign someone else that they were, I mean, again, it's the Patriots. They were probably going to want to split the backfield anyway, right? They just don't let one running back have it. And I think a lot of people were seeing the the depth chart kind of into the preseason going, well, there's no one else there. It's going to all be Ramondre. And this is kind of like that wake up call back to reality where you're like, hang on, hang on. It's Bill Belichick's offense. This is still a Patriots decision-making decision tree that like tends to lead to a number of running backs. And if they're going to sign one like Zeke, who could be dramatic and obviously cause his own, you know, off the field issues and all this, they're going to sign someone yeah. like that. They're going to use him, I think. So it just feels like and- it just messes it up for me. If you go back less than a calendar year, that same exact role was inhabited by Damian Harris to great success. The dude scored a bajillion goal line touchdowns in that same exact role that we picture Zeke having. And it's definitely not, it's not a 50 50 split. It's more of a 60 40, but Zeke will get meaningful touches and we can't ignore that. Ramondre will get more meaningful touches but his peak, instead of being two-thirds to three-quarters of the meaningful touches, having it be 60-40 just kind of cuts the ceiling off of his of what we can expect from him in the next year because Zeke's contract – I'm not worried about Zeke's contract. It's it's more of a vet minimum plus a right. whole lot of accelerators for performance incentives. Yep. Uh, outside of that, it's just your run-of-the-mills vet, vet minimum running back contract with a little kicker because of his pedigree. Sure. No, and that's entirely fair. The other one that signed too was Dalvin Cook, obviously going to the Jets. Um, I think that's kind of interesting in, in the same but very different way at the same time, right? Like Dalvin yeah. Cook, I think warranted and, and deserved more money, uh, but went mm-hmm. to a much better team with a much better running back room, in my opinion. I mean, Brees Hall is is usually ranked ahead of Ramondre everywhere. Uh, even with the injury, I feel like a lot of people would rather have Brees. But Dalvin going there kind of muddies that water and maybe muddies it even worse than it muddied it for Ramondre or are you looking at this like maybe this helps Brees and lets them get healthy and kind of maybe they can the two of them can factor into a single running back that can stay healthy all year. What do you think? I like this tandem. That's that's yeah. all. That's my first reaction is, yeah, maybe rest in peace to Michael Carter, Izzy Abanaconda, and uh, and your uh, Bam Knight. Those yeah. three guys in 2023, barring an injury, are toast for fantasy. 
But what you have here is a one-two punch with both have home run hitting capabilities in an offense that's going to want to hit some home runs. They're also going to want to run the ball quite a bit. And if they have two guys, one guy's coming off an ACL, really young, still resilient, still explosive. Brees Hall's a superstar. And Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, is just like that. He's a home yeah. run hitter who can who can put his nose inside still. He does all the things you want a running back to do. I don't really think his downfall's been uh, appropriately labeled because I haven't seen much of a drop off unless you look at like really fine tuned, fine uh, comb data uh, about his efficiency metrics. Yeah, those have diminished a little bit. But when you watch him on tape, it doesn't look that different from Dalvin Cook of three, four years ago when he was at his absolute peak. It's just a little bit less of Dalvin Cook, but not a not a. It's not a Zeke decline for sure. We're no, talking 100%. about a, a, a like eighty eight percent Dalvin Cook, and then a ninety two percent and climbing version of Brees Hall, who's probably one of the best ten running backs to come out of college in the last decade. Uh, that that should tell you everything you know about. Aaron Rodgers is building something here. Joe Douglas is helping him out there. They cleared space. They might even trade for David Bakhtiari, which would be crazy good for them. Being able to move Mekhi Becton to right tackle and have yeah. some two big mashers up there. That whole offense. Yeah. And then their defense is outstanding. It's going to be nasty up front. They well, and again, they've got, corners. The, they've got the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson. They've got the defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner like this. And they went out and got one of the best free agent quarterbacks available. Like this team is loading yeah, up get, for a serious run. Right add now. Dalvin Dalvin Cook helps. That. Yep. And anybody who was doubting whether or not the Jets were going to be a thing now that now there's no doubt there. Now no. the Jets are all in the Dalvin Cook signing says the Jets are not having any expectation of winning fewer than 10 games this year. Yeah. And I think too, it's interesting because if you look at their receiver room, it's Garrett Wilson and and to be honest with you, some scrubs. You got Corey Davis, Junk. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I mean, Junk. nobody that's really that exciting. Nicole so Hardman. having a yeah, and again, no, no fault there. Again, I say it all the time. Those guys are better at this than I will ever be at anything. I'm not slamming their talent. I'm just saying in comparison <laughs> but... to the other teams, they're not as exciting. But adding Dalvin Cook means that now you can run two running back sets, and then it's like, well, who do I guard? And then you're getting mismatches with linebackers all the time. And honestly, I think there's Without a doubt, this is the strongest wide receiver tandem, or sorry, running back tandem we're going to see in the NFL. Uh, there are some other teams oh, yeah. that might have some good duos, but they're not going to be these kind of good. So I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see what Brees does, even with the shoulder injury to Dalvin and the obviously leg recovery for Brees. Like, there's going to have to be some things that they, they figure out and put together. But I think this this is to me this is the best signing. This is the best place with the best available running back. I mean, I'm I'm jealous as a Bengals fan. I would love to have Dalvin join my team. Like anybody right. would be silly to be like upset with this. Other than I was Reece hoping Holman. he would join Tony Pollard in Dallas. Honestly, well, I was, I was thinking that it could be. I thing. still think Dallas signs Leonard Fournette. I just had that vibe. I don't know what it is. That, I've always that had that vibe because I just feel like it's that rotation of that carousel of the you know veteran running backs. We'll see what happens. It's a southern. It's a southern enough latitude for Fournette yeah. because. He does not like leaving the Mason Dixon line. No, he doesn't play. He doesn't play well in the cold and he, at least he gets to play in Jerry's house. I think he would love that. So I just have a vibe. I don't know. It might not be till week two or three, but I just think it's still going to happen. Um, the only other news that I really even have on the sheet, which I still consider it news because it is injury related, but it's injury for a suspended guy, Jameson Williams. <laughs> I just put on here literally, what are we doing with this guy? He gets hurt with a hamstring injury. Now he might go on the pup list. And I saw on Twitter, even people were asking like, 
does the pup supersede a suspension? Like, can he do both? Can they run concurrently? Like, and that's where I'm just not sure how this is going to play out. Like, even if he does come back in six weeks, is he going to be ready? Like, so just, I'm asking you flat out here, Bo, what are you doing with Jameson Williams and dynasty right now? I'm buying every piece of cheap Jameson there is because his price is never going to be lower than it is right now. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, but it technically could get worse. But I hope you're right. I don't I agree so. with you. I honestly don't think so. Because what I saw today floating around was that he's the next Will Fuller. And you know how badly that scares <laughs> dynasty managers? Yes. Like how dynasty. many people have been jilted by gigantic Will Fuller performances that make his value spike. And then he just falls off the face of the earth from injuries. And Jamison Williams has got a little hammy tweak. He's not really happy that his his bogus gambling suspension is so long, which is it's a ridiculous suspension. That, honestly, that suspension is ridiculous. And, That's the best way to And of it. course, yeah. if you got a guy who's 22 years old in camp, already suspended for the first few games, he's got a head coach who's no nonsense, he's going to be pissed off at camp. I would be pissed off at camp if I was suspended for some bullcrap reason and my coach is on my ass and then I tweak my hammy in practice. I drop a couple passes in in camp in, in 11 on 11s. Yeah. It, it's all these things kind of piled up in a snowball, which is a perfect buying window in Dynasty because I've seen this guy absolutely, completely rip us SEC defense to shreds about a year ago year and a half ago and that when he's on the field he's the next deshaun jackson and we all remember what jackson did to defenses sure. for a decade sure that's what he brings and he's honestly very very similar in many ways to deshaun jackson where yes he's going to be a distraction yes he's going to make some really big mental errors but also yes he's going to be the most exciting playmaker on the field when he is on the field and he will be on the field week five week five he's going to be on the field and he might go five for 111 and and two touchdowns on six targets and everybody like well jameson williams is still good at football well don't you what do you say about that it's been two months of him having bad days and now we're, we're eventually going to be reminded that this guy is really special so he's been suspended six games, so it'll be week seven when okay. he can come back. But Thank same you. logic. And it's interesting you mentioned all of this because uh, a lot of what you said just now reminds me of Johnny Menzel. And I just watched that documentary finally today on Netflix. Right. Uh, tore apart an SEC defense, you know, terrific player, all the talent in the world, but just something wrong with the mentals. And that's what's kind of worrying me about Jamison Williams. It just, I, you know, the stuff between the ears, you can't coach sometimes. You just got to have it or you don't. And I'm worried that the coaches are are sick of it and are not, you know, not willing to put up with it. And the biggest thing is if you don't get on the field, it won't matter how talented you are. And I just I'm concerned, again, just generally concerned about his playing time in the next, let's say, two years. How much does he play? I mean, let's say he comes back in week seven after six weeks off of the suspension, which, again, I agree is ridiculous. But that's still a rule. And he knew the rule and he broke the rule. So as dumb as it is, it's still a rule that he broke. It's a bad decision. And then the hamstring injury on top of that, maybe, okay, well, maybe you can kind of combine that in a way and say, okay, he'll maybe avoids the pup because he's out anyway. And he rehabs, he's fine. He rests up, but he comes in rusty or he comes in just missing something or he misses some time in practice because of the hand. Like there's so many question marks and what ifs with him. 
I'm I'm a huge fan of buying him cheap. It just worries me that whoever's got him now is probably not the guy to sell him cheap because they probably have already been holding. They're probably not willing to get out yet. They're already willing to wait the six weeks that they have him now. So I totally agree me. with you. I just feel like there could be a tough <laughs> buy. Me. Well, it, yeah, it, he, hey, I'm the problem. It's me. I'm the same way. I got a ton of shares of Jameson and a few leagues even. I've tried to send offers for like two seconds for Jameson Williams, which I think is a pretty fair price, right? Like two 24 yeah. seconds for Jameson Williams. The guy's like, no way. I'm holding on. I'm like, huh? all right. Like that guy believes it more than me, right? If you're not the guy, there's, yeah. if you can't find the guy, then you're the guy. But if you can find the guy, <laughs> it's like, hey, that's the totally guy. And, and he cares, I, believes more than me. To wrap up Jamison Williams, I guess maybe I just hold on to the fact that if Nick Saban put up with him for a couple of years without issues, then he's probably not a bad dude. He's probably not underprepared like Johnny Manziel was. He's not going out and partying every night like Johnny Manziel did. He wasn't putting football second, third, fourth, or worst like Johnny Manziel was. Jamison Williams is still a football player. I am definitely buying just because I'm, his talent, his talent level, plus Nick Saban, n- said nothing but great things about Jamison Williams. Completely, and Nick agree. Saban doesn't yeah. say that about everybody. Nick I Saban agree. will say, "Watch out for this guy. He's he's a loose cannon." He never said that about Jamison Williams. Well, and Nick Saban never would have tolerated Johnny Manziel. I agree with you on that. But at no. the same time, we got Mister <laughs> no Scampers chance. in the chat, fan of the show, met him at the expo, hey. big huge fan of the Scampers. So again. He says, I'm not selling him. He can figure it the F out on the bench. I completely right? agree. There's no reason to sell. Amen. But that being said, Bo, you and I agree. I'm pretty sure Scampers agrees. I'll find a buy if the price is right. If the price is dropping, I am in. Let's go. I'm picking it up. But I'm not selling. No, don't. If you're listening Ooh. to this, don't sell. Hold on. Uh, I think it could be a rocky ride until November, even like you know later in that season once he kind of gets in the groove. But I am agreeing with you. I think the talent will shine out. But it just I know there's a lot of question marks. And I could see the logic. If you can sell them for a great price, go for it. But I don't think you're getting that right now. You can't really don't sell them up until on a you get superb, through. Don't give up on a superb talent because of a few weeks. Well, especially That's like we it. said, it's it's a gambling thing, which we think is ridiculous. So, I mean, again, it was a rule and all this, but I'm kind of threading the needle here. Like, it's a dumb thing to get yeah. suspended for. It was true. He deserved it in a sense, but he's still suspended. So it's, it's All still going to do is turn off Wi-Fi and he was fine. So that's, that <sighs> should tell you that everything you need to know about the rule and the punishment is if the guy just had to turn off Wi-Fi for not to be a problem, then it's a stupid rule. Yeah, it's a, the most ticky tack thing I've ever heard. But anyway, on that, let's leave this news behind. I think we've covered what news matters. And I think it's worth mentioning. We kind of talked to this a little bit before we started recording. The only real news that I pay attention to in the preseason is like we just saw here, signings and injuries. Everything else is bluster. Everything else is is BS. It's coach speak. It's somebody doing something. Um, the only other thing I will add to that, I guess, is other than those, other than signings and and injuries, is drumbeat stuff. Like if you start to hear a lot of things about somebody in multiple days and multiple people, that stuff I listen to more. But even if you hear like one big huge blurb or you see one great play by Justin Jefferson, which we saw all over Twitter today, right? Like you see one great play. All right, calm down. It's one, you know what I mean? Like, hang on. It's it's one play edited to look great because they probably did 17 drills and it was the one that he looked great. So just be careful out there. We're still in the preseason. We still got a few weeks till the season starts. So just take every neat piece of news with a grain of salt. That's what I always tell you. All right. So we're going to pivot into our main topic tonight, which is, like I said before, is QB busts and sleepers. And we're going to kind of hit this from a broad spot. I don't really want to get too detailed. Uh, we just finished our, our eight show series going through each individual position in each conference and kind of 
breaking it down and kind of where we saw values and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of thought maybe we would just keep this kind of loose and look at all of these in together back in all the, the both conferences, but each position and kind of talk about who we think are, are busts in a sense, who we think we're afraid of at that position. And then maybe guys we're trying to draft later that we think could finish taller, you know, taller, finish higher than their, their current ADP. So um, I guess let's start with bus. I always like to start with a negative. You know, I'm a fan of the shit sandwich. Let's end on a high <laughs> note. Um, so let's go with bus. And I guess I was curious if you had any bus that you could kind of pick out of this list. I know I got a couple, but I want to let you pick first. So Deshaun Watson's a little high for me. Mm. I like him, but I don't love him enough for him to be a top 10 dynasty quarterback. Uh, the contract's great, but it's also got a lot of outs in it. Yep. A lot of outs <clears throat> in that contract where they front loaded that whole deal starting year two. And then it runs out after year four. That's already two years done. And so his performance is really going to come down to this season. This season is Stefanski's way of staying off the hot seat because they, that team really hasn't done much uh, with all the talent, with all the Stefanski scheming that everybody was so fond of their running back room is old. Their wide receivers are good. Their offensive line's okay. Sean Watson, what do we, what even is he right now? Do we know if he's going to ever be as good as he was in Houston? He was pretty bad last year. Yeah. And then the defense needs a whole overhaul. We'll have to see how that went in the offseason. Their run defense was so bad last year that they weren't going to win games anyway. Because right. you can't stop the run, you're not going to win games, period, no matter how good your quarterback is. Uh, I, I just uh, I think that Watson's a little overpriced here at QB nine. I'd like to see him somewhere down at QB 14, 15 uh, in that uh, Daniel Jones region. Cause I'm a little higher on Jones myself. Well, spoiler alert, I guess, but no, I, I agree with you. I think that, that it's the price that I don't like, not the player as much right, It's the exactly. risk that you're taking on a QB nine. I don't like a lot of risk. I mean, granted at QB nine, you're going to have some risk cause he's not the top eight, right? You're definitely not out, but you're still taking him as a QB one and you're kind of, Maybe in my mind, even like, I don't, I don't know, maybe you're buying that at the ceiling. I mean, yeah, he could get better. But if you look at the eight quarterbacks ahead of him, you got Mahomes, Allen, Hertz, Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, Fields, and Lawrence. I'm not going to lie. All of those guys belong there. Like None of those seem mm-hmm. risky to me. Uh, Fields with the rushing, Herbert with all the, the weapons and the talent he's got. Lamar Jackson with the rushing and the new contract. Obviously, Allen, Hertz, Mahomes, and Burrow. Like All of these guys make sense to me. And so Watson does feel kind of like the first one where that's definitely a tear break <laughs> in my mind. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'd rather get the last. He's not at the top of the first. next one or at the bottom. And that's where of that I was going to go. I think he's at the bottom of that tier, not the top. And I'm with you. Like, exactly. I'd rather have the last one. So I'd rather get Deshaun Watson at that QB 14 kind of range, too. I'm with you 100 uh, percent. And then my quarterback is kind of the same spot. It's Anthony Richardson, only because he's a rookie. And I got to be honest, I don't like putting rookie QBs that high. I just feel like there's so much pressure. We've seen it blow up more often than it works. So, again, I think Anthony Richardson could be a stud. Right. There is. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying that's a lot of pressure. A top 10 QB. If you're telling me I could sell Anthony Richardson for Dak Prescott, who's 11 and a piece, I'm probably doing that. Right. Like, come on. Like, it depends on the piece. But my logic is that's pretty high. And to get higher than that, like we just went through that list of eight to get higher than that. Richardson's going to have to be almost generational. And I just feel like that's a lot of pressure on the rookie. So I I mean, again, not hate the player. I just hate the upside. I mean, really, what's the payoff? What's yeah. the payoff for investing at him there? There's no ROI at the top of that because you're not you're not getting much even left. if he you're, turns you're buying him high, yeah. If he turns into a top five quarterback, you didn't get much meat off that bone. And 
that's it's great. I want to see him do that. I want to see him become that, especially in Shane Steichen's offense. With yes. I mean, hopefully JT comes around. Michael Pittman. They got they got some things going there with Richardson. There's something there with Richardson. The problem is, I don't see him going in startup drafts at that spot. So right. this ADP doesn't give me actionable advice. It doesn't tell me oh, you should definitely go and spend QB1 draft capital on Anthony Richardson right now. And I don't mind overpaying for a guy if he turns into that top five QB. It's, what is it, a hop, skip, and a jump to get him if you really want him? Because you already spent pretty good price to get him. That's It's, it's not going to be very useful to draft him at QB10 this year. And trading yeah. for him at that value, you're overpaying, hoping for what he t- what he's probably got as a top uh, as a ceiling, and that's that's just it's just risky business. I love fading quarterbacks for that reason because what's the what's going to be the difference if he is exactly QB ten this year, or let's say over the next two years, let's say he's exactly QB ten over the next two years. Nobody's surprised, but they're also kind of disappointed, really, because he's he's an 800-yard rusher or he throws for 25 touchdowns one year. And you're like, oh, cool, that's what I expected him to do. And it's like, okay, I could have gotten Bryce Young for three rounds later. Well, I could and have, I'm just looking I, at this in, in Superflex. I could have invested in somebody with more upside down the way here Yes, for the same upside, same upside later. And that's the quarterback conundrum, even in Superflex, is the wins above replacement. Like it's a baseball advanced metric, yeah. but it really works in Dynasty with quarterbacks because once you leave that top tier, there's no war whatsoever. They're all the same guy. They're yeah. all the same upside. They're all the same. They should be all the same investment, but you get a lot of them a lot later and load up on better skill players around that person. Well, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like it, the two that we talked about here, Watson and Richardson, are going 13 and 14 overall in the latest DLF ADP. <laughs> you know, like in Superflex, we're talking Superflex. That's wide receiver zone, though. Well, exactly. So then you, right after Richardson, you've got AJ Brown, and then Dak and Tua and Garrett Wilson. Like I'd rather have more of those guys. I'm on Rob, Bryce Young, Kyler Murray. Like, I, why am I going to reach on Richardson in a heartbeat? Right. Like those to me feel like no brainers. I'll wait on QB and give me that guy. Cause honestly, especially at that spot too, at that early second, you're probably drafting one of those top eight that we're talking about or Kelsey or Jefferson or something like that with your first pick. You don't necessarily need Richardson at that value. That to me is almost a ceiling. And that's what I don't like about this is the price. So that's what makes me a little bit, I don't know, nervous or hesitating. And I think it's interesting too. We had uh our friend Jesse shot in the chat. So sell Richardson. I think so. I think Richardson Hell is a yeah. sell at this price. So yeah, if you can get good value on this and get back one of those, like you said, Bryce Young is a great pivot. You know, Bryce Young in a first might get your Richardson in some leagues, right? I take Bryce Young in a first. Third, yeah, but I'm just saying like, they're going right. They're going it, one. You know? They're going one, two, and one, three in <clears throat> super flex rookie drafts. Yep. And that's but one the rookie hype pick apart. And now rushing upside combined with Bryce Young is small. Yeah. Uh, we forget that Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the on the planet in college right. over the last two years at Alabama. Yep. Again, it doesn't matter that he's small. Yeah. He's really good at football. And, he and I'm not saying Richardson talent. isn't. Yeah. I really love Anthony Richardson. But 
Bryce Young is a better quarterback right now, probably will be for a little while longer. And even if Richardson turns out better than Bryce Young, it won't be by very much. Yeah. And I got to be honest too. I don't think I really have a lot of Richardson shares. I, I didn't have a lot of chances to draft him in dynasty rookie drafts. I haven't really gone after him in, in redraft leagues yet. Anyway, like, you know, a couple that I've been in like Scott Fishbowl and others, I've been more than happy to let someone else reach for him and, and get the value that falls because of that. So again, I'm not, again, I'm not hating the player. I'm hating the value. And I would put both Watson and Richardson are both in my mind on a bust list because I just feel like you're not leaving a lot of room for optimism there. Uh, it's just, you're kind of buying them in a sense that they're sealing at that value. And I'm just, I don't know. I'd rather get some of you're these buying other guys them because they're certain. sexy picks. Yeah. We've seen Watson be the best quarterback in the world. Well, and we've it's interesting actually guys. Yeah. We've seen guys in good offenses like Jalen hurts, Justin Fields turn into top five quarterbacks with the same skill set that Anthony Richardson brings into a really exciting situation. I get it. It's just, there's no, it's like, it's like peeling a peach and expecting it to still be fuzzy. Maybe that's the analogy. <laughs> yeah, need to that's, use. A, that's a good one. That's a good food related <laughs> analogy, Bill. You're good at that. Uh, but we do have recovered Ridley truther because Ridley's back. Ridley truther in the chat, <laughs> Kyler and maybe a second or a rich. It's one that I'm contemplating in a lot of full teams for flex. I guess, which, I mean, that's, that's a tough one in my book, Kyler and a second or a rich, but which one would you like? Oh, give me Kyler all day. I think so too. Yeah, I'd rather What's, that second. What be is going first, on here? You know? It's like Kyler tears his ACL, and all of a sudden he's not worth anything. He's trash. Yeah, he's what 25, 26 years old. He's a great passer. People forget how great of a passer he is. Oh my god, because so good, he's yeah. also really fast and runs around a lot and tiny. But yeah, Kyler Moore, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's that's a dumb question because they oh, it's equal not each a, other on, in it's fantasy. Not a dumb I question, but it's a fair question. It's a it's somebody would like again the Richardson hype is I getting just, out of control and the Murray hate is getting out of control. So that's why that question becomes a question. But I think it's I more of a latter. You. I well, think the Richardson stuff is warranted, sure. but the Kyler Murray value plummet is weird to me. Because I, I agree entirely on that. Yeah, fantasy that was, gold mine, and well, just think of what he could have been. If it wasn't for Cliff Kingsbury with his hocus pocus magical BS on that air raid offense, like Kyler Murray is a superstar prospect yep. uh, and the air raid held him back. He I did agree. great things in spite of Cliff Kingsbury, one of the biggest fake sharps the league has ever seen. Well, again, it's unbelievable. Manziel, like Cliff Kingsbury got a lot of his clout <laughs> from Manziel just running around. And even all of in the it. documentary, all of it. Well, even Without in the documentary, Manziel, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't even get his next job at Texas Tech. I agree. And it's funny because even in the documentary, the only game that they lost in Manziel's rookie year was when Cliff was calling the game after he stopped calling, <laughs> they won. And somehow he gets a promotion out of this. I never figure out how people fail up so, so terrifically. And I can't figure out how to succeed up, but whatever it's, Neither here nor there, but we're pivoting into an interesting spot because Kyler was going to be one of my sleepers. And so I feel like maybe we can talk about him a little bit here. And you're kind of hitting yeah. on a lot of this for me too, but at QB 13 or 14 in that kind of range, you're buying in at a, what I think, what I think is a depressed price because of that injury, because of the fact that he's, you know, on this offense that nobody really knows what they're going to be or what they're going to do. Like it's clearly a rebuilding year in Arizona. Nobody's expecting to win a lot of games and all this. Kyler might not even play this year, right? There is a chance that he just, they, they bench him the whole year and let him heal up or they trade him or something, right? There's a whole bunch of question marks. I'll gladly buy Kyler at 13. I think that's exactly where he belongs right now. 
And to me, his upside is top six again. Like he's been there. He's proven it. He's done that. And it's almost like everybody just says like, you know, my men in black mind eraser on that and been like, nah, he's always been terrible. No, are you kidding me? Like he won people leagues two years ago. Like what the heck is it? He wasn't even terrible before he got no. hurt. That's what I'm saying. Like he's a terrific quarterback. So again, I think he, you're, I'm with you. He's got a bum rap. Uh, and that's somebody that I would look at as a sleeper. I'd, I'd love to get him as my QB two. Uh, and again, I think that trade really truther. I would do Kyler in a second. I would like to get more than that. Cause I think you might be able to just because the community at large is so down on Kyler. And if you've got Richardson, everybody's really high on him. So now is the time to buy because the difference is so high. Um, but yeah, I'd be glad to move from what I consider a bust in Richardson to what I consider a sleeper in Murray by far. I also have a really distinct feeling I'm going to like a lot of those 24 second round picks. Same. So yeah. that's just, there's, some, that's, there's a lot of meat on that bone in, in yeah. 2024. That rookie class is superb i feel like we and, say this every year but i mean it this time like, you know, like <laughs> oh i really mean it 20 23 yeah. is solid 24 yeah. is stacked yeah because a lot of heavy. people move it, back to 24. it, it drops yep. off after like the early third but your second round is just full of stars because there's more than 12 of them this year that's the point is last year we had like eight or nine studs like first round sure bets then it dropped off a little bit this 24 class is going to go 20 deep and then kind of taper off. That's, that's my prediction. And that's what I really like about uh, having a 24 second thrown in there because there's going to be some underrated quarterbacks that I would like to get. So I have Kyler. I have another underrated quarterback coming out of the class next year. And Richardson could be what he's, what, he, what we expect to do is for him to be a top 10 quarterback because of his rushing ability, because right. of the offense he's in. But I'm not going to bet on that against a guy I've seen do it recently and another chance to get another exciting prospect next year. Completely agree. Uh, was there anyone else, though, back to bust while we're here, is there anyone else that you want to mention as a bust on the, the QB list that we have in ADP? Obviously, we're just going in like the top 20 rounds, so it's up to QB 34 mm. is really all we're looking at. But Anybody in here that you're kind of avoiding or finding that you just never end up drafting or, or wouldn't want to draft, I guess, in Dynasty? I'm really unfortunately mad that I don't have more Patrick Mahomes. Oh, like, well, this is I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a conspiracy against me. <laughs> I think the reason being is, yes, he is the best quarterback in the league. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, he's always drafted as QB1 but he very rarely ends up QB one. That's going to say the same. Yeah. And I don't think so, uh, with I me having him at QB five, people want to cry out and scream at me. And I'm like, he's in the same tier. I just like the upside of some of these run, run around guys a little bit more. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes is going to, he's going to throw for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. Will that make him QB one? Probably not. Probably QB three through seven, most likely. And I like moving Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson above him because they're going to rush for 800 to 1,000 yards, add another five, six to 10 rushing touchdowns to potentially just as many passing touchdowns. Honestly, Lamar Jackson in that MVP year led the NFL in passing touchdowns. Uh, I think I want the bonus points, please. Yeah, no, and it's interesting because calling Pat Mahomes a bust is a spicy take, and I know you like spice, but it's um, a, it's, but it's just not, an under it's, not really, it's, it's kind of a underplaying ADP. 
it's and that's what it is. ADP. And that's kind of why I like using the term bust very loosely here. We're not going to say this player is not going to score points. My mind is that this, these are overvalued. These are guys that I'm, I'm not really grabbing at that ADP. And I'm 100% on board with this take. Um, I don't think I have, I think I might have one or two shares of Pat Mahomes. And if I do, it's, I wouldn't say it's pure luck, but it's just because of the way things went down. Or like it's, I think I <laughs> the got the ones in I one. have are from 2017, honestly. <laughs> well, there's one league I'm in with John Bosch, Kaleidoscope, where you're allowed to pick anybody you want in any round, like of the round at ADP when we started it. And I picked Mahomes because I'm like, I don't have any Mahomes. Let me take him here. But I mean, that's not really, that's like cheating. And then I'm getting him in redraft some because I'm just willing to reach a little bit of QB and that kind of where it gets to that gray zone in the second round. And I'm just like, eh, let me take Mahomes. I don't have enough of that. So I actually really like that take. And you're exactly right, too. He doesn't usually finish as, as QB1. Um, I know I was talking about this on somebody else's podcast. I forget where it was. But I said, um, I think there's a, a 50% chance that Fields ends up as the QB1 at the end of the year. I just think that the way that team is lining up and the way that offense is turning around, their defense is getting a little bit better, but not good enough for they slow down the game. Like I think Fields is going to have to handle it like he's done. And watching him play was just awesome to see. So if he gets better and makes better decisions, I don't think it's shocking at all for him to get a thousand yards rushing. I think it's possible, which is ballsy and ridiculous. Even if he only throws for 3,200 yards, you add a thousand yards rushing and all of those points that come with that and the touchdowns. I, I totally agree with your logic here. I don't know if I'd rank him ahead of Mahomes, but I think I there's a chance. Yeah, I do because <clears throat> I do. we're, t- we're, in a, we're in the business. We're in the business of scoring points. That's right. It doesn't matter what it looks like in fantasy. We're basically just box score scouting. Yeah. Even though it goes deeper than that for a lot of us, like I'm a tape based guy. I don't really look at analytics unless they confirm what I saw on tape. And then it's however. All you watch Patrick Mahomes and you're like, well, this is by far the best quarterback I've ever seen. And he's better than these players at playing quarterback. And then you look at the fantasy points and it doesn't bear the same results. A lot of people get emotionally attached to the awesome quarterback. That's the best thing they've ever seen. And he still doesn't score the same amount of fantasy points. And and there's a fight here because I just prefer mobile quarterbacks because I can get there easier. I can get to 30 points a game easier. Lamar Jackson is a cheat code this year because you're going to add more passing volume to what he already had. Justin Fields, I don't think they're going to be the second most run-heavy team in the league this year. They're going to throw a little bit more because, hey, they have a guy that can get open. DJ Moore can get open. They had zero of those guys last year. Yep. And so Justin Fields for me – so get – do you know what Justin Fields' over-under passing yards prop is this season? I don't know what it is currently. No, I looked at it a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember what it is now. Would you hit the over with so much ferocity that broke your hand if you found out that his passing yards prop was 2,850 yards? I would smash that over, yeah. I think that that's a really lo- – I mean, again, I was just saying, even if he only passes for 3,200 – Disrespectful. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I for some reason I thought when I looked at it like again weeks ago, I thought it was around that thirty two hundred mark. So I don't know how it would have gone down, or maybe I was looking at a different book. But twenty eight fifty that's ballsy. That's ballsy. If if you say let's just say he averages he he plays fifteen games, not seventeen. Fifteen sure. games, that's which is possible. Yep. That's one hundred and sixty seven passing yards per game. Telling so you, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. I gotta look at I gotta look it up after a show, but. I'm with you. Take I'm with that you. I'm for what that it's bet. worth. <clears throat> take that, that for what it's worth. Justin Fields is going to surpass what we expect passing wise. 
I think he's going to be the first Bears touch the Bears first best quarterback to pass for four thousand yards, which isn't what it used to be. Obviously, no. a lot of guys do it. Four thousand yards is definitely within reason for Justin Fields now that he yeah. has a bona fide alpha receiver in a well, better. It's definitely more line. than. 2850. So yeah, and that's like significantly <laughs> right. more. So I'm with you 100 percent on that. Uh I, I do want to have one, I do want to have one other discussion talking about bus before we move fully into sleepers. Because in my opinion, there are more sleepers than bus. Um, in yeah. my opinion, bus are a tricky thing to kind of define. You really have to find someone like we've already talked about some of these guys that you just feel like is at their ceiling and that the upside's not there. And I feel like upside is there for a lot of these guys. So it's just easier to see the optimism at this time of year. But the other discussion is what I'm wording this as is the San Francisco 49ers quarterback position. Now I know you're, you're a, uh, a West coaster, as you mentioned, yep. uh, you probably hear in Northern and, California. I say you probably hear a lot more about it because you are a Northern Californian. Uh, are you a Niners fan? Let's start with that. No, I, I've loved the Cowboys since I was five years old, which means I've hated the 49ers. The okay. I was a Niners time. fan growing up, so I hated the Cowboys, but now it's fine. I've moved on. I'm a, I'm a Bengals <laughs> fan for the last 25 years or so. Um, but I wanted to talk about this because, again, you might have more insights here. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold apparently is in the mix. What the <laughs> heck is going on there? And then is are any of them even kind of like worth reaching for or trading for? Like, what do you hear in the drumbeat even? Like, just kind of give me a little bit of your breakdown on the San Francisco QB position. Is Purdy the guy? Purdy is the guy. Unfortunately, it's the wrong choice. <laughs> there um, you go. Kyle Shanahan's ego I don't know how fits inside of Levi Stadium because we have a uh, Mr. Irrelevant who was thrown into a perfect winter wonderland snow globe of an offensive situation last year. Get got away with a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. because of the talent around him, the system he operates within. And I, I give him all the props. He played exactly how they wanted, they expected him to play. And in exceeded expectations, he helped them win a lot of football games last year. Unfortunately, Brock Purdy can't really be credited with more than one or two of those because when he got to the playoffs, he was a liability. Honestly, Brock Purdy was atrocious in the playoffs. They won in spite of him. I agree. Yeah. And that was the same exact thing that happened when Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback, is they win in spite of bad quarterback play. And, yes, you can say, oh, he would have to melt in practice to lose the starting job, according to Kyle Shanahan. Well, all that tells me is that he's the starter, but because we know his limitations as a seventh-round pick who was better last year as a rookie for the 49ers than he ever was at Iowa State in any games. Like, I'm watching the tape going, this guy can't play quarterback. But apparently, you put a newborn baby back there for the 49ers, and voila, you have yourself a quarterback that can win football games. Unfortunately, most people don't realize that wins are not a quarterback stat. They never were. They never will be. I say not anymore because there was a time you could argue it, but I I agree that they almost never were. But even then, like nowadays especially, and on that team, I agree with you. Like, Bo, you and I could probably be back there quarterback and and somehow get a win out of that team because it's just – Christian McCaffrey. George I can Kittle, shovel Debo it to Samuel. Christian McCaffrey yeah, and Debo we, we, Samuel. Yeah, we can figure this out, guys. Throw a two-yard screen. Hell, weren't, weren't they negative air yards to Debo Samuel? Like, his air yards were negative one. Like, literally, he was catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage more often than in front of it. That's an, I can do that. Like, are you kidding me? Like, catch, throw, just get it. And I think, too, a lot of teams didn't have tape on Purdy, so they didn't know what they were getting. They weren't sure what kind of offense that was going to be. But then they did figure it out, and the writing was on the wall. 
So yeah. So Purdy Purdy <clears throat> is overvalued at QB twenty two. Unfortunately, yep. at the very moment, he's actually adequately priced for like redraft. If you wanted, to, if sure. you had a super flex redraft league and you draft him as QB twenty two, I'd probably be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? And Brock Purdy is what he is. He's gonna put up some decent games. I I would say he's gonna maybe have three or four games of. 25 fantasy points because naturally naturally he's going to hit somebody on in stride on a texas route two yards past the line of scrimmage and debo slash kittle slash iuk slash mccaffrey is going to house it and just like jimmy garoppolo's qbr it looks really sparkly when you hit guys in stride who cannot be tackled in open spaces and you the box scores again are favorable to that type of quarterback. That system's awesome for quarterbacks. The team, in order for their championship window to stay open, needs to start Trey Lance. Why do you think they named him the starter last year? They had Brock Purdy right there. They had Jimmy Garoppolo right there. Who was the starter week one? It was Trey Lance. Not because of ego, not because they spent a shit ton on draft capital to get him out of North Dakota State when he hadn't thrown more than a few passes in college, which included a whole season, which I've never seen in high school, college, or the pros, uh, an entire season without throwing a single, not a one, not even one interception the whole season. That's never happened anywhere ever. And we're saying this guy's also mobile. And we're going to put him into an offense that cannot fail with a quarterback. And you're going to say, oh, he's not the starter anymore because the seventh round pick shoveled the ball better and didn't <sighs> break his tibia. That's what we're saying is that he read, he threw the ball to his first read and didn't break his tibia. That's why he's the starter and would have all to, it takes. to lose his job. And you heard that's all it takes. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that's odd is that obviously uh, with the retirement of the goat Tom Brady and that, you know, seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant kind of tag. I think there's a lot of people that are seeing this late and just kind of like, oh man, it, this is what it's meant to be. Like, guys, this is, this is reality. <laughs> this isn't written. You know what I mean? Like it's this football. isn't like, no. And it's like, I think too, um, as much as they spent on Trey Lance to go get him, go up to get him and, like you said it before with the pride and everything like this. He's like, not dead yet. No. And I well, I guess what I'm curious about, and maybe the last question in a sense of this San Francisco situation, does Trey Lance get traded? Like, do you think that they actually move Lance? Do you feel like it's that bad of a relationship or are they just kind of all this yep. bluster and not really doing anything? No, I think they love Trey Lance. I think so I think too. That, yeah. I think that right now they're like pretty better because of his recent performance. But I think people would be alarmed if they knew the true length of Brock Purdy's leash this year as a starter. Which is not long. Yes, he will be the starter week one, but he might have the shortest leash of any NFL quarterback this season. And that shouldn't surprise anybody, but you know it will surprise plenty if he gets benched in favor of Trey Lance by week four because he just didn't cut it. And all the plays he got away with last year were on tape and the yep. defense is adapt and this guy didn't get better enough with the elbow recovery and all that all the all the camp reports are that he still needs time to get back into rhythm and yep. it might take a couple weeks and those are a couple weeks he doesn't have no i agree with you entirely and he was going to make that same point where like he's probably going to be the week one starter and i wouldn't be shocked if he goes the way of Mariota, right? Is one of those guys like starts the season but just falls apart and ne- we never see him again and just kind of if he does relegated great, to the back up from there on. Yeah. But 
knowing what I know about him as a player prospect, I knew that what he did last year was nothing short of miraculous. It was a fluke. I completely agree. So I, we're on the same page there. And I think I'm really just calling them a bust in a sense because we don't have a clear cut answer. And it's really, no. I'm not sure if I want Nobody to knows anything one. about that. Yeah, that whole that team, means- you're just like, I hope they're good. They look good. They're great on paper. But what are they really? Are they a, are they a Super Bowl winning team? I think that they're a playoff team for sure. Sure. But I don't think Especially that they're the a Super Bowl team with, with that at quarterback. Honestly. Now, I've, I've they get money Trey on this. Lance if they get Trey Lance average, that's still better than Brock Purdy peak. That's, oh, that's like what should that. alarm yep. people. When I, again, I put money on this that I do think the Bengals are going to beat the Niners this year in the Super Bowl. But every time I hear about Brock Purdy, I'm like, well, that's looking less likely. You know what I mean? I just, I'm with you. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think too, if you're looking at, again, just going back to ADP before we go to, to some more uh, sleepers, but Purdy at 22, and then we got Jordan Love at 23, Russell Wilson 24, Derek Carr 25, and J- Trey Lance at 26. Like, give me all those other guys over those two San Fran quarterbacks. Like, I just, what are we doing, guys? Like, Russell Wilson, I sure he had a bad year last year. I think he's going to look better this year. Derek Carr, new offense, like he's going to look better. Jordan Love finally getting full reign to do whatever he needs to do. I think they're going to look better. And we're putting Brock Purdy ahead of him in ADP. Come on, get out of here. What are you doing? Um, but with that, I guess let's pivot over to one more or at least one more sleeper. Is there anyone else on this ADP list that you want to put some hype into and kind of finish this on a positive note? Where, where would you want to go for that? Sam Howell. Oh, I was how, hoping you'd bring how him the, Yeah. How the mighty have fallen where he, if he was eligible to come out as a sophomore, we're talking about a top 10 pick. Whether or not he deserved to be, that's what he was graded as as a sophomore at North Carolina. Deami Brown, he had he had all the weapons. Javante, Michael Carter, everybody's there. Sam Howell's the field general of an explosive Tar Heel offense. Top 10 pick, no doubt, next year. Comes in, no weapons left. Offensive line in shambles. He transforms his entire game to put the entire offense on his shoulders he threw a four more interceptions. He completed less passes for fewer touchdowns, but ends up rushing for 800-plus yards and 11 rushing touchdowns as a junior. And all of a sudden, we see this guy break his back to drag the Tar Heels to a bowl game, and he drops to the fifth round to the Commanders, who finally oust their horror and horrendous owner. They hire Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs as offensive coordinator. They have a rising star at flanker at Jahan Dotson. Mm-hmm. They have the most underrated route runner in Terry McLaurin. They have Curtis Samuel, who was the original Swiss Army Samuel before Debo existed. Yep. Remember yep. Curtis Samuel in Carolina? He was that dude. Yep. And you got Antonio. This Gibson, offense who was a is going too. to yeah. hum. Yep. They're going to have Antonio Gibson play the McKinnon role. That excites me. Sam Howell is going to be way better than his ADP in Dynasty right now. Yeah, QB 28. I mean, that, that just blows Disrespectful. me away. Like, honestly, like I, I'm with you. I, I've been coming around. I wasn't really on the Howell train until probably sometime in June even, where I was just kind of like, I don't know. I think they're going to sign someone. I think they're going to draft someone. And then, of course, the draft comes and goes. And it just seems like the there's just no sign of them doing any of that. 
And then they obviously, like you just said, they have a lot of offensive weapons. So even if you don't trust Howell, I would trust Purdy in that offense, right? Like if you're going to put Purdy in that offense with all those weapons, I don't know why Purdy is going so far ahead. Like, I don't know. I just don't get it. So I'm kind of with you. Like, I think that's a great pick for a sleeper. Yeah. I mean, Howell went two rounds before Purdy. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, Howell should be going ahead of Purdy. And I don't know why he's not. Nobody even expected Purdy to be drafted, period. That's why I kind of chuckled when they picked him at the very last pick, I was like, Oh, I thought, I honestly thought the Niners were going to sign him in free agency because I saw the writing on the wall from the interviews that I heard about that. The Niners really liked Purdy, but I didn't know if it was going to be worth a pick. And it turns out it was worth the very last pick because they had two seventh rounders that, that year. And so they used their second one on him. And I still, Howell was QB one in that class, a very bad, quarterback class sure but how was above picket for me in that class even leading in when he dropped to the fifth round i was like maybe i'm just crazy maybe i love how way too much but from what i saw at north carolina he's the best quarterback this class has to offer whatever that's worth i still love sam howell's talent i love his moxie i love his propensity to play tough like he's he's just everything you want in a team leader and this team loves him all the people clamoring for, oh, maybe Jacoby Brissett will be the starter for a while. I was like, why Why would they not pick a quarterback this year in the draft with so many chances at a better prospect and a stronger class of quarterbacks? They didn't spend any draft capital at quarterback this nope. year in a stronger class, and then they went out and signed Brissett to be the backup. If they wanted Brissett to be the starter, they would have shipped Sam Howell out for another pick to land a quarterback in this draft and made Brissett the starter over the rookie. That's how they would have done it if Brissett was going to be the starter. Well, I was talking about <clears throat> sorry, I was talking about Brissett a lot actually when he got signed and everything. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be the guy. And like I said, I was not on the Sam Howell train. And the more I've seen it, the more I've heard the drum beats, the you know, the hoof beats in a sense, like this is galloping towards Sam Howell season. Um, I know, too, that in that class, the, the other sleeper that I had was Desmond Ritter for the same kind of logic, like just going dirt cheap at this point. Ritter is QB 32. Hendon Hooker is being drafted before Desmond Ritter. <laughs> I mean, Hendon Hooker, the second Detroit quarterback on this list ahead of I, I just that that blows my mind. As much as you want to hate Ritter or Howell, even both of these guys are They're on starters. offenses with. Well, yeah, both of these guys are on offenses with firepower that I think are going to have to make waves. And are in divisions that are going to challenge them. They're going to, you know, they're going to score points. And so it's odd to see, you know, again, the backup QB in Detroit going ahead of the starter in Atlanta. Just again with Bijan, a backup and QB Pitts who and, like, is in a red shirt season. Correct, coming it's almost from not a Josh Heupel offense that has a gigantic learning curve for the NFL. Yep, no, I completely agree, and that's why I think again, Ritter, in, in not at all in play style, but in terms of value and kind of post type sleeper, all this kind of stuff, like both of them had a little bit of hype heading into their draft. And then both of them kind of cratered when their draft capital came in. It wasn't what people were expecting. That was a weird draft, as we've said before. But I think now it's kind of like some of that hype is worn off and, and they're very depressed assets yeah. in fantasy. I would not be shocked at all to see how and Ritter both finish in the top 20 quarterbacks. I think that both of them have that kind of upside. And if I'm getting them at QB 28 and 32, I mean, I don't think that that's you're not having to pay much at all, right? Ritter could be a throw into some trades. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's still young, and if he turns this around, it could be his team for a couple of years. We don't know what's going to happen there. So yeah, yeah I'm glad we got to talk about sure how too. Both of them. Yeah. It's a no. it's an audition for both of them. They both have rushing upside. Uh, they're both pretty mobile, uh, and 
they both have question marks and when it comes to accuracy and consistency. Yes. Uh, Desmond yes. Ritter, we saw at the end of last year, kind of not really do much better than Mariota, really. They sure. did increase their passing rate, but it wasn't to much more success. His efficiency numbers were darn near accurate. Identical. Like his comp for me was Marcus Mariota. So it was right. it was a pretty, pretty interesting to see Mariota leave the team and for Ritter to come in and do the exact same thing as Mariota similar success rate and then you have howell who came in for heineke slash wentz rough. yeah wentz That's was in rough. washington last year and oof yeah yeah <clears throat> and so how gets the one meaningless start it's, it, it was meaningful for him because he lit the cowboys up the cowboys didn't have anything to play for that week but they they still had some starters on the field they still couldn't stop sam howell sam howell put up 20 fantasy points as in his first nfl start against the number a top five defensive unit in the league that should not go unnoticed and for him to have that many rushing attempts with a rushing touchdown uh, that tells you what kind of guy he is where even in a game that doesn't mean a lot to anybody else for him that was his audition to be the starter and and he he was impressive enough where they didn't take a quarterback they rallied around him they built up the weaponry they get eric the enemy that how understated of an addition to this franchise is Eric the enemy. This yeah. offense is going to well, hum. We're going to see, cause there's, there's obviously, <clears throat> gosh, there's obviously some other question marks too. Like was the enemy, the guy actually doing any of that work in Kansas city, or was he just, you know, keeping things moving behind the scenes? A lot of people are giving Andy Reid for that or credit for that. And obviously Pat Mahomes too. So we're going to see now that the enemy's out of that. We're going to see if it's really him. And before we move on and, and kind of get out of this segment, I got to bring this up because we're talking about Hendon hooker. Puff Pass called me out, rightfully so. Whoa, it's Hendon Lady of the Night. Jeez, guys, language. I love it. You're right. I shouldn't have said the other H word. It's Hendon Lady of the Night. I apologize yes. to anyone out there who is, a, uh, is working tonight. Use the but proper nomenclature. I know. I, I Thank you, Puff Pass, for calling me out. I, I deserve that. And uh, don't cancel me. I apologize. But um, It's Hendon Escort to you. Hendon Lady of the Night is the best fantasy football team name I've ever heard. So I'm actually going to have to use that one. Uh, but with that, let's kind of leave these quarterbacks behind. I feel like we did a pretty good job hitting some of the highlights here. I feel like most people have already got their their positions figured out. They've already got their values figured out. We're heading into redraft season two. So I feel like some of that talk can translate to redraft. We're t- a lot of what we talked about was what they're going to do this year. And so, again, if you're contending, there are some options and sleepers that you can go acquire maybe on the cheap. If you're rebuilding, maybe you send some of those bust kind of players away and kind of add to your future pick uh, you know, basket and kind of see what you can get there. So. Uh, again, though, with that, we're going to move on. Our next segment is usually the Dynasty Junkies Listener League updates. We didn't have any updates this week, which I'm entirely fine with because that happens sometimes. We're all busy. We've got things to do. But that means we get to move perfectly into our final segment and my favorite segment of the night. Find me a trade. Find, find me a trade. Our friend Brian Har coming through on that hey, one as demanding. usual. <laughs> I know. he's he's Honestly, he just really wants to find that trade. So this week's <laughs> trade... Uh, is brought to us by Nurk at Nurkaleptic on Twitter. Uh, I've got his league and everything pulled up here, but it is a safe leagues dynasty CC 29. I'm in one of these dynasty CC leagues. Uh, it used to be the DLF South, like the DLF divisional series. Um, these are interesting leagues. It's 28 roster spots total. It is a 12 team super flex with a two tight end premium start 10 quarterback, two running back, two receiver tight end, three flex and a super flex. Uh, Nurk's team is the American hero. I'm not going to show his his icon because it could get people a little riled up. <laughs> oh, oh, I just oh, oh, just oh, no, I'm not going to show it. I'm not going to show it. I'm tempted. 
Uh, but Nurk's thoughts: uh, the last three years, he's gone third, second, and first in that order. That's to me, that's a dynasty. You're always in the playoffs, and you're getting better. Uh, he says, "I want to, I want a chance to go back to back while still having some players who have a future value." I've made two trades since the championship: 109 for Dallas Goddard pre-draft, which I like. I like Dallas Goddard in that trade, and then a big one. I sent C.D. Lamb, Jelani Woods, and my 24 first. Like everyone else, I assume it's late. I love when they say that. So C.D. Lamb, Jelani Woods, and his late 24 first. For Kyle Pitts, Jordan Addison, Terrace Marshall, and a 24 third. I love that trade. In a tight end premium like this, I think that's phenomenal to me. Uh, I believe in Pitts. I hope I'm right. In a perfect world, I can add a QB two or three for Stafford insurance and maybe some running back help. Uh, But I won with this crew last year and have no problem waiting until I actually need one in season when haves and have nots are decided. That's actually some pretty good advice, too, is like you don't always have to make your team better now. You can wait until some teams go 0-4 and, and start shedding their assets. Uh, you can wait until a team, maybe let's say, uh, you know, a team with Murray is contending and they start selling off things and they start getting players they don't want. Or like you can kind of wait and see how the league shakes out. So I actually really like that advice. Um, I'm going to pull this up, but I want to, Bo, I want to get into your trade first, if you don't mind. Do you have your trade ready to go? I do. Perfect. Okay, so you do that at, while I pull his team up because it's going to take me a second. So. I, I think he still needs to address the running back position. Uh, this is this is a very big need area for him, and I do think that he's going to have to improve that position to continue to push the the podium every season uh, going forward. Yeah, it's been a nice run, but we're trying to go back to back here, and I don't think you can go back to back with this running room led by Nick Chubb and a bunch of dudes, half of which aren't even in the league anymore to an extent where you can actually put them in a starting roster at any point. So Nick Chubb and the boys, you got to get some better boys in there. Uh, gross. This, this division, this, <laughs> uh, what I'm going to say is maybe you, like you said before, you don't have to make this trade. Now the best time to acquire a running back is in weeks one through four, because you're going to get guys who start off slow, who are better than their performance and that's when you pounce. And what I want you to do is kind of float, especially if you get a couple good performances from your uh, veteran wide receiver group here between Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, or both, as I want you to shop one or two of those guys for that stud young running back who starts off slow. And I'm not going to specify which teams have those running backs because We'll be having more clarity as the season starts. But I'm looking at your Austin Eckler team as a team where if he starts off kind of slow, you can push because Eckler might be on the decline, but you're trying to win now. You're trying to keep that train rolling. I'm looking at the the Eckler team, which I believe, let's see, that is the Liberators too. Uh, The Liberators have Austin Eckler. If he gets off to a slow start with that tougher schedule, then I can see him being on the market for a Mike Evans or a Keenan Allen, maybe a charger for charger trade. Hmm. I'm also looking at looking at guys like Cam Akers. Cam Akers is severely underpriced in Dynasty. He's young. He's got a huge workload. He catches passes. Sean McVay actually likes him now, and that should tell you everything you need to know about Cam Akers. If Sean McVay likes you, uh, you're gonna score a lot of fantasy points. Yeah. You're gonna fantasy. You're gonna score a lot of fantasy points. So I'm looking at those kinds of guys. Uh, you could probably scare some players off of Devon Shane. Devon Shane, mm. if he gets off to a slow start in Miami, 
people are going to be like, oh, this is a crappy committee. We had Jeff Wilson's out there with Raheem Mostert too much. And then you're going to start to see after week three, McDaniel fold his speedy rookie into the game plan and more and more as the season progresses. And that's when you already had him. You got him for Mike Evans in week three. And you got you still got a good stable of wide receivers. And now you got this freak athlete at running back next to Nick Chubb, who hopefully stays healthy for you this year. And now you have a real team that can beat anybody on in this league. I, I don't hate that at all. I think that's actually some some really good general advice. I would want more back for Allen and Evans than an A-chain or an Acres alone. But I don't think you're in the wrong field there. And I think if you ask for more and kind of have to go down to that, that's not a bad spot. Um, but now that I have got the uh, the team up, I want to go through it real quick just to kind of clarify. Uh, it is, again, it is a super flex start 10, 28 roster spots. He's got Pat Mahomes and Matt Stafford at QB still rostering the husk of Carson Wentz, which we talked about. Uh, also got Stetson Bennett, which I think is an interesting angle there, like maybe backing up Stafford in a way, like a handcuff. And then Aiden yeah, O'Connell, again, long-term flyer. Like I, you definitely need a little QB help, but not a lot. I don't hate, again, Pat Mahomes, you're going to be okay. Uh, running back, you already mentioned it, Nick Chubb. He's also got some other flyers that could be something. Uh, you know, if Leonard Fournette does sign somewhere, he could be valuable. Chase Edmonds might get some run. Uh, Melvin Gordon in Baltimore, you know, that could be interesting. I don't know if I love it. Uh, none of these guys are starter worthy, but like upside. You're just thinking maybe best case scenario, right? Deneric Prince got some run in the first preseason game. A lot of people talking about him. I might look to flip him too, to be honest, because I don't think it's real. Uh, receiver is his best group in my book. He's got Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Jordan Addison, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, and Terrace Marshall. I don't like Terrace Marshall, but as your wide receiver eight or whatever it is, like wide receiver seven, like I don't mind that at all, right? That's not bad. And then tight end is also solid because you got Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard. And then some flyers like Daniel Bellinger, Albert O, Adam Troutman, who caught some flames last week with the Saints. So I like your trade, too, because I think pivoting from a receiver to a running back, I think, is going to help this team win because you still need to start two running backs. And on a normal week, you're starting Chubb and question mark. Uh, But on a normal week, you're going to have I mean, again, you're going to have to start two receiver, two running backs. And yes, you only have to start two receivers, but you're pivoting now from your potentially anyway, your your fifth receiver to what is your second running back, which is bleak. I'd much rather start Juju Smith-Schuster than Melvin Gordon, right? Like I'd much rather yeah. give it to a spot where I can get a <laughs> solid running back. And again, you're going to have bye weeks. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have somebody misses a couple of games. You definitely need to address the, the running back position. I think that's that's not a bad idea at all. So with that, actually, I'm going to get to Rocky's trade. He did put one on the sheet, even though he wasn't able to be here. Uh, oh, gonna, what a guy. I know. He's he's such a helper. I'm not going to read his whole essay, but I do like that he wrote <laughs> it out and kind of gave us the whole breakdown. Um, I think what he says kind of at the beginning is worth it, though. So he said, so I'm focusing on, on the trying to win this year part, and we're at the part of the year where I'm willing to focus more on points than just trading for dynasty value. Kind of what you said, right? Like, just give me points. Um, so he wants to add an RB, which is what you were talking about, which is why his, I thought, was a very similar trade. He's sending Addison to He Hate Me for Josh Jacobs. So He Hate Me's team is kind of a mess. I can't believe he thinks he's contending, and he's got very little wide receiver himself. So getting a young, good wide receiver prospect makes sense. He should be willing to get out from Jacobs. And again, with all the question marks, I've heard people getting rid of Jacobs, maybe not necessarily for much less than value, but just kind of getting out from him and and not being as stuck on him, which is good. Um, But sending Addison for Jacobs feels like a pretty even trade to me. Uh, Rocky continues here. He plugged it into two calcs just to see and both have Jacobs worth slightly more, which I would agree with. I I think that makes Mm -hmm. sense. But on the right team, you could find this working out. Uh, He says, too, uh, with the uncertainty with Jacobs and team situation, 
straight up, he thinks it could get done. Maybe you have to add one of the two thirds Nurk has. Uh, obviously, trying to find a second piece is never a bad thing, and we're always advocating for that. But again, the logic that Rocky's going by is pretty much the same as yours, right? Pivoting from a receiver to some running back depth. So, what do you think about this Rocky trade of sending Addison for Josh Jacobs? So, the Rocky trade makes his team better. However, it makes your team, which is already old, even older. Yep. And I don't like that direction for you. American hero, I want your team to make this deal to make your team neutral or better, but also younger. Your team, if it's going to sustain this dynastic run, has to get younger. Oh, dynastic. Look at that big word. Shipping off your best young wide receiver in Addison is the last thing I would do. Is That's not the guy I'm shopping away because his potential is much higher than what you're selling from right now. Right now, you're kind of in a holding pattern because he's a rookie wide receiver. We want to see what he can do. And chances are he's being drafted as floor right now in startups and in trade value. So what we want to do is keep him here and hope that he blasts off this year next to Justin Jefferson. We want to see some big (laughs) games from Jordan Addison before we start throwing him out on the market. And to make your team better and younger, I'm making that – a chain trade, and I'm probably asking for one of those 24, uh, 2024 second round picks in addition to a chain for uh, a Keenan Allen or a Mike Evans. See, because that I'd be fine with. Yeah. I want to get younger and better and solidify a position of weakness at the same time. Jacobs addresses the weakness, it doesn't address the rest of the issues you're going to have as an older team trying to hold it together by. Uh, Elmer's glue of all these aging prospects on your team that are losing value. You're, you have you have a classic car, but you're not keeping up on it very well. It's not yeah. cherry right now. You need that classic car to get a detailed job here. No, I love that logic too. And I, I actually agree with you because I, I looked at Rocky's trade. It was on the sheet and I was like, I'd rather have Jacobs. And then I was like, would I? Like, no, wait a minute. Let's no. hold on a second because I think Jordan Addison is going to go up in value and I'm not sure Jacobs does. So, I, again, at Jacobs first glance, right now is Jacobs is a regression candidate. I agree. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. I think at this point, I think Jacobs is worth more, which again, he says in his, his write up, the, the calculators agree, but I'm looking to the future. I'm not looking to now. And so I'm saying, like, on the face of it, in a vacuum, on a Twitter poll, I probably pick Jacobs, right? But then looking at it longer, it's like, well, wait a minute. If I'm just going to go straight up, I might as well go like with the younger guy. And I do prefer Addison. I also think what your logic, what you were saying is like, wait till week three when Addison does blow up and you can get Jacobs plus a piece. Or you can get Jacobs mm-hmm. in a second or Jacobs in a first, even if Addison goes absolutely haywire, right? So I don't think or now a is a younger running back it. who's doing just as well as Jacobs. Well, right. And I'm, I'm just using Jacobs as the answer because it's what Rocky put. But the logic would be like, I'm Rocky. with you. I would rather hold on to Addison until he blows up and then get more than Jacobs, right? That's basically the thesis. But I don't hate the trade. I, I think that's not a terrible trade, but it's not one I would make. Let's put it that way. It makes your team better right now. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And again, if, if you really do think you're contending or – I've, I've said this before, and when people DM me, I, I ask a lot of context questions. And one time a guy told me, this might be the last year of the league. And I'm like, well, then, hell, go all in. Sell all your picks. Like, yeah. If you think that's the case, just go and just deal with next year, next year, right? Like, we don't always know everything. We don't, I mean, maybe this, this league doesn't trade very often, or maybe they everybody was all hyped up about Addison, and they think that you can get, every league is different. Every league is its own market. So don't take these in a vacuum all the time. Um, but with that, I want to get into my trade because I thought mine was a little bit outside the box too. 
I think it trades from a position of strength and it helps build. It's sending Dallas Goddard to Bill's Buffaloes, which I think is a great name. So sending Dallas Goddard for <laughs> Tua, Tua Tagovailoa, just straight yes. up getting a quarterback without giving one. You're giving up potentially a top six or 10, whatever you want to call it, dynasty tight end for an outside the top 10 quarterback. Uh, calculators mm. had this one pretty close. I was kind of shocked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did just trade for Dallas Goddard, but he's got pits. So my thought was, you know, if you have to add a piece to Goddard to get Tua, I'm fine with that. But I would be, I would also be investigating a way to get Tua and Mahomes on this roster. And if I have to give up Goddard and hell, I don't know, Dwayne McBride or one of those like generic prints that we talk about, like one of those like upside running running backs, just like someone's feeling high about them. Go ahead. I don't care. Right. Let's move on. Um, but I guess, what do you think about that one? Since Rocky's not here to dra- trash my trade, what do you think about that trade? Sorry, Rocky, but that trade makes a lot more sense because it it, it takes from a position of strength. Uh, having Kyle Pitts on your roster in a two tight end premium renders Goddard expendable, and I I love that you acquired him. You you I I think you yes. overspent a little bit to get him. However, Kyle Pitts is amazing. He's twenty two years old, uh, and he already has a thousand yard season under his belt. He had a knee sprain last year that knocked him out. Had the most air yards on the team. He's their deep threat. He's six six, runs like a gazelle, can't be covered by anybody. He's only his 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 upside is measured only by if his quarterback can hit his gigantic catch radius <laughs> at all. And Mariota could not. We're hoping Ritter, Ritter can do it just a little bit better. Please, just a fraction better, uh, because that's all it's all it's going to take for Kyle Pitts to be a generational player in fantasy for a decade. So you have that player on your team. You don't need Dallas Goddard. You simply do not need him. And speaking of tight ends who don't get targeted enough in the red zone, Dallas Goddard never gets targeted in the red zone. It's probably because Jalen Hurts is running everything in. And then AJ Brown and Devonte Smith are so good at getting open on the outside that you don't need to look at the tight end because your wide receiver hots are right there in front of you waiting for the pass. And if they're not open, you're tucking and pushing with your 600 squat quads. It's like <laughs> you can't stop the Eagles in the red zone. What do you need Dallas Goddard for? The Eagles don't need him. You don't need him. So well, trade so- him away. Get a quarterback who was quarterback four in a points per game basis uh, in fantasy. That's that's the real story here is Tua, when he's healthy, is a superstar in this Mike McDaniel system. McDaniel was the genius behind the Shanahan offense. That's why we saw less efficiency last year from the 49ers and the dolphins were unstoppable when Tua was on the field. Unstoppable. I agree. And I think it's interesting too, because I checked the two main calculators that I pay attention to DTC and the DLF trade analyzer. DTC has Goddard ahead barely and DLF has Tua ahead massively. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it kind of depends on what Bill's Buffaloes is looking for. If he's going to want another piece, um, I'd be fine adding another piece. I don't think I'd want it to be anything substantial unless maybe you can get something substantial in return. Like if you want to do, I don't know, Goddard and Stafford for Tua and I don't know, Pukunakua or something like I'm fine with something like that, right? right? Like whatever you, but I think the bones of this makes sense to me, like getting younger at quarterback. But Bill's okay. Buffaloes has Jordan Love, Tua Tagovailoa, Ryan Tannehill, and Will Levis. So He's got a little bit of quarterback depth. Maybe he's okay with sacrificing Tua. Maybe he's out on Tua. You never know. Uh, and then his uh, his tight ends are Cole Komet, Michael Mayer, and Dalton Schultz. 
all of which are in that tight end two blob that everybody hates that, you know, from tight end six yeah. to tight end Goddard's six. better than those guys. I'd much rather have Goddard. And I think, again, if, if, if Bill's Buffaloes thinks he's contending this year, I don't think he is. But if he thinks he is, because he's got Wilson and Alave, like you could tell he got a lot of rookies in a draft a couple years ago. Maybe he thinks this is his window. Maybe he thinks this helps him. So, again, it, it, it's always on context. But I think that's something I would start with and say, hey, I'm thinking of something like uh, Goddard for Tua. What are your thoughts on that in a DM? I don't know if I'd send mm-hmm. that blind because it feels like it could be way mm-hmm. off or, you know, I mean, maybe the guy gets offended. But I tend to do that anyway where I send blind trades and I'm just like, Here, here's an option. And then no counter, I'm like, all right, let me add a piece. Where are we going to go here? Like, let's see how so the stance happens. In this like, case, I would be selling it a little bit more. Like, oh, I for sure. Like you, need, yeah. you need to be like, hey, Tua, huh? What do you think? Ooh, give him the cringe Maybe only face. only one year. Eek, yeah. The face. Ugh. Like, ooh, man, is he going to stay on the field? I mean, is this jujitsu training going to help him? <laughs> like, oh. yeah. um, hey, uh, if you're not, if you don't mind, I got, I, I have an extra tight end, and this is two tight end premium. Um, I, I'd really like to just throw Tua in here as, as a depth piece on my in my quarterback room, and it uh, looks like Goddard would be your best tight end if you had him. And that like sell it to him, like say, hey, this makes your team better, and it makes my team more have more depth. It makes me feel better about my lineup, like stable wise, and it makes your team better right off the bat because you have you have a tight end that has tight end one weeks. Like you, you don't have any other tight ends like that. These other tight ends are a bunch of, like you said, NPC characters. Pretty they don't much, have speaking yeah. roles. <laughs> but it's it it's really it's a good trade because it it's mutually beneficial. It's symbiotic, and that's the that's the kind of thing where you just say, "Hey, here's the reason why I want to make this trade. Here's the reason why it works for both of us." And you hold out your hand and you don't say a word until they shake your hand. That's <laughs> that's negotiating. Yeah, and again, I think, uh, but I really like it. Depending on the calculator, you might have somebody who goes, that's way off, or somebody goes, oh, that's a great deal, right? And that's what I love. It, this is the kind of thing I'm, I'm tempted to put this on Twitter anyway, just to see what people say, because it's one of those trades you put it on Twitter as like, which side of the poll do you want? And you get somebody going, man, that's a steal. And you kind of have to go, for which side? You know, oh, like, yeah, I don't, which, which way? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have a lot of back and forth on that yeah. because one one's going to be overvaluing Superflex format, right. and the other and is going to overvalue the tight end premium. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes it so interesting in these kind of leagues. I think sometimes uh, I know I'm guilty of this myself. Sometimes I forget that that second, that super flex position doesn't have to be a second quarterback. And I think in two tight end leagues, you could see some value in putting Goddard in your super flex and saying, who's going to score more points on a given week in a two point tight end premium? <laughs> Is it Goddard or Tua? I could totally see Goddard doing that. Right. It, like mm-hmm. I, I could sell that and just say, just look at the points, man. Like, just don't worry about positions. You're going to put them in your super flex anyway. Like you can put either one in that position. And so that's kind of how I would sell it is like just based on points. Cause you don't, it's not a two QB, but that two point tight end premium is huge. And I think that there are definitely going to be people that are way overselling on the super flex side and not acknowledging that two point tight like two is a lot. Like two is a, a high premium, a whole separate point for tight end is not something that you almost get makes day. Goddard worth it. Well, and this is what I'm saying. Like we're selling ourselves on it, but at the same time, I'd rather have that QB depth. Like you put it perfectly. Like I think that gives you more flexibility on your roster. It gives you Mahomes, Tua, and Stafford to kind of make a playoff run. Uh, it gives you some flexibility for buys, and, and Stafford may throw his arm out in week two. I mean, you never know. Uh, and Tua is not necessarily, you know, perfect on injuries. He's had some issues himself. So you're buying another risky quarterback without having to give one up. But 
again, just looking at the numbers here, I, I think getting Goddard was a great thing. If you could get up from Goddard to something else, I'm fine with that too. So yeah. And again, the age thing too, two is three years younger than Goddard, you know, like you're, you're getting a little younger and preparing for the future too. So hopefully Nurk, hopefully that helps you out a little bit. Uh, maybe you can build something on some of this. Uh, maybe there's some options that you can come up with based even just on the, the words that we said and kind of combine in Frankenstein trades. We always talk about that too. Like maybe just getting some of this and some, some value in your head might be helpful. So hopefully you guys found that that helpful as well if you're not NERC. But uh, with that, we're going to get out of here tonight, Bo. Why don't you tell people, because we didn't get through this at the beginning, where can people find you? Where are you writing? Where is your work? And I know you're busy with a lot of different podcasts. So where can people hear that dulcet tone that you've been giving us tonight? <laughs> Well, I am Bo McBrayer. I am found on X. That's right. X.com. Underscore McBigTime, which was right there. Yeah, There it right is. Bo underscore McBigTime on the X. Uh, big time flavor underscore on the Instagram and threads. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I write for Fantasy Pros, just right next to this guy here. Uh, I do Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, all the, all the same things that Mr. Hall here does. Uh, him and I are we're, we're compadres. That's we right. are colleagues. We are colleagues in this venture right. at Fantasy Pros. We we are we are working alongside one another in perfect harmony, creating very good content where we agree just as many times as we did tonight on the show. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I'm the owner and creator of BigTimeFlavor.co, which is home of the world's most deliciously intense condiment. Hot box gourmet small batch hot sauce and four of my unique seasoning blends that I make in my own home kitchen, and they are. What do you think, Andrew? They're delicious. delicious. Honestly, I was really hoping you'd be at the expo so I could snag another bottle out of your backpack. But no, that wasn't wasn't meant to be this year. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there next year. I'm booking early. That's good. I like that. Well, again, appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man with lots of things to do. Uh, you, you do have some podcasts you're on too, right? I don't want to ignore that. I guess, are you still doing podcasts or no? Maybe I'm yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm the host of the 19th Hole Live, which uh, our, our last episode of the PJ Tour season is next week for the Tour Championship. So I got the BMW board behind me yep. here. I have an eight-foot whiteboard in my office, which is obviously necessary. Totally <laughs> it's completely cool. yeah. one wall of whiteboard where I can draw plays and do all kinds of fun stuff on here. Uh, but it's uh, I host uh, Chalk Block with Scott Simpson, which is a DFS show every Saturday night during the season where we break down leverage on DFS, DraftKings, making people lots and lots of money. Uh, we've won ourselves a lot of money over just having that show over the last three years, get all hyped up, me m making my intro all about making Scott look like this terrible person, even though he's a saint. Uh it's it's a lot of fun because it started with just two two guys who live on opposite coasts, uh, who that was their, that was our hangout time. Like yeah. we just we just do a show to hang out because we live three thousand miles away from one another, and now it's turned into a, a show where lots of people tune in to help them win money, and that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, I'll probably be guesting on a lot of other shows too, but it's for this one's fun because I could talk about Dynasty forever. Like oh man, without me, me end. too. Yeah. And that's why I love the expo because I feel like I did that for some most of the weekend. You know, you were there two years ago. You get it. It's just a bunch of I lost my voice last year. I talking lose dynasty. it every year. Every single year. Sunday is rough. <laughs> Monday is getting better. And luckily by Thursday, it's back. So I'm OK to do the podcast again. But definitely want to give a shout out to some of the people we I met, I guess, at the uh, at the expo this year. Uh, Dame Overboard and Mr. Scampers. I was phenomenally floored by you guys. That was such a good time. Such a pleasure meeting you. Uh, Toronto Dave, obviously we created our own little handshake He's this awesome. year. That was great. 
Uh, got to see Bosco, who wasn't in the chat, but got to see him, which was kind of cool. Uh, Jesse Shot was in the chat tonight. Appreciate you, Jesse. Uh, Puff Pass Kick, of course, was in the chat. Uh, we had uh, Ridley Truther in the chat. There, there were a couple other people in and out of there. I know I'm missing some, but for the most part, really appreciate you guys coming in. Expo was such a good time. It was honestly one of the, the weirdest things ever is, you know, just seeing all these Internet celebrities in person and getting to know them <laughs> as real people is just so mind blowing. And it's just we're so blessed to be able to have this awesome community. So, uh, yeah. So other than that, it's been a pleasure with you tonight, boy. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow the Dynasty Junkies at Dynasty Junkies. You can follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore network. Also on YouTube, I believe, at DAP underscore network. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew Hall FF. The other guys aren't here. They don't get their handles read. Uh, they definitely subscribe, rate, review. I know we are kind of tentatively have done uh, a couple of Rate My League podcasts. So if you're listening still now and have a league that you want to hear me and Rocky kind of go in on and analyze all 12 teams, you know, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, if you have interest in that, send us a DM. I know we tweeted it out a little bit ago, uh, but I'd much rather you just kind of ask for it by name in a sense and just ask for us. That way we can make sure we get you the right link if you want to do one of those. Uh, those are not free. Those are paid. So, again, it's if you want to support the show or support Rocky and I, that'd be great. And we have a really good time doing it. Um, but, yeah, that's something else that we're kind of doing as we head into draft season here. But other than that, we're just looking to win and hoping you guys can come along with on the ride with that. Um, I know Rocky and I have a lot of things planned for this year. We're probably going to take a little bit of a break when the season starts. It's not official yet, but we've been grinding a lot this offseason and kind of feel like maybe as the season ramps up and with the articles that I have to write for Fantasy Pros <laughs> and the lineups we all have to set, like maybe we just take a little break for our mentals and come back. Fully. I wasn't going to say anything, Andrew, but you look kind of tired. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. My wife says it too. But no, uh, with that, I appreciate you both. Thank you so much for coming out. And uh, hopefully we can check you out on the mean X streets, not Twitter anymore. But with that, it is officially time for the junkies to be out. So junkies out. <laughs>